Hey, what's good, everybody? It's another episode of the Holding Hands Podcast. Coming off another hiatus, you know, life happens, and uh, we're just trying to keep pumping out episodes when we can, you know? Tonight's subject is education. Um, We use the resources that we have and uh, connect with a few educators that we uh, have connections to. Um, such as uh, Myra Hart, who is a elementary educator. And we also even had Makiba Cooper, who has been teaching internationally in uh, South Korea. Uh, so sit back and relax and soak in the information that they have provided to us about education, just being able to understand education and how important it is. And they also touched on how education is being changed and as far as uh, dealing with uh, COVID-19. Um, so sit back and relax and enjoy the pod. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Thank you for joining the Hands podcast. Today we have a special um, topic. Um, we're going to talk about education as it pertains to um, how things are going in the United States especially with COVID-19. And then we have a special guest today, Mrs. Myra Hart, who has been in the education field for a while. And I felt like she'd be a wonderful um, host to have here today to discuss this. So if you would, please just give us an overview of your experience. And um, yes. Yes. Um, hi. Um, thank you for having me on this evening. And um, I've been in education for over 30 years now. Um, I'm a proud graduate of the Florida a University. Um, I graduated in elementary education and I also received my master's in educational leadership. I have had, uh, you know, a great deal of experience in education. I started as a, um, an instructional aide at a um, alternative program for um, pregnant teenagers, which um, was a eye-opening experience and really led me to want to continue in the education field. So I'm currently serving as um, Dean of Students at an elementary school here in Tallahassee, and which I've been in this position the past two years. Um, I am working towards um, a, a more administrative role with education, but I've been serving in a classroom for about 24 years. So with that experience, I, I've learned a lot over the years. That is so wonderful. I, I know it takes a lot of patience um, to be in that role. And that's something that I wanted to touch on today. Um, but I wanted to ask you first, um, why did you choose this profession? Because you like little kids. <laughs> I, I do I do love children. Um, children, are they just, just see the world um, you know, through a unique set of eyes and and they, it's just so interesting working with them and, and they're completely honest and, but I grew up, my mom is an educator and although she never did, received her degree in, in teaching, she worked uh, um, in the school as an instructional aide for many years and and she also, she always was working with children, therefore I was always working with children and I just Find it it was so rewarding and enlightening and um, just uh, gratifying to work with 
children and, and teach other people and share your knowledge and experience with others. So I started out, it's funny, I started out as a journalism major, but um, I decided that education was the, the best best path for me. So I switched from journalism to elementary ed and have not regretted my choice in, in changing. Thank you for sharing that experience. Okay. Um, given that experience, what would you say would be the best thing about teaching and one of the worst things about teaching? You can be completely transparent <laughs> if you want to. Um, at, I mean, the best thing about teaching is when a child um, or a person, for that matter, I mean, I've, I've taught children and I've taught adults, but when someone truly, when you're able to convey the concept or, or the skill that you're teaching and, and that person, you know, you see them light up, they're they're um, excited. I just love the excitement for learning when people realize that, hey, you know, I got this. This I understand this. This is, you know, easy. And um, because I, I, once I learned that, you, you, you learn every single day. And there's not a moment. But as a teacher, it's my job to, you know, set up the situation, set up experiences, because people are natural learners. Everybody's going to learn regardless. But if you, you, you kind of like direct the learning, you have the ability to direct the learning in the direction you would like for it to go. So I, then that, that's mainly what a teacher does. They, you know, set up experiences, set up, you know, pathways to learning and um, just, you know, get the foundation out there. Things that, that people wouldn't normally think about, you get them thinking in that direction and change their perspective and change their outlook on life, which there's no feeling that is undescribable, you know, how it feels when a person learns and you can actually see and track their growth and, and see how they, they've grown over, you know, a short period of time. It's just, it's amazing. It's no feeling like that. Okay, so that was the best. Okay. <laughs> was the worst. Uh, you know, um, I, I mean, with anything that you do, there, there's a downside to it as well. And I, I guess for me, I, I don't like the politics in education. And, and we know that politics is, is a driving force, especially in public education. And um, that's every job. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. If, if, you know, we could do away with the politics, you know, trusted people who have been trained and have de have developed their, their profession to do the, the educating. And it all, all comes down to money. Um, a lot of times, you know, of course, they, they want to, they don't want to spend, invest the money unless, you know, the money is, is being, really, it's about making money. If they can make money off of education. Oh, believe me, they, they would. And of course, they are trying now nowadays. Um, that's another subject. So we won't get into that right now. But I guess that, you know, the downside and, and, and especially now, too, with the politics, a lot of people will say, of course, is the pay. Teachers are not respected in that area. And I know a lot of people are, and myself as well, you know, having to work more than one job, but yet you went to college and you're a professional, but you're not making the the kind of money that um, a professional should be making. 
And so if you don't, you know, marry well and you don't have a significant other, um, I've known teachers that have been on, um, had to apply for assistance because they, they couldn't, you know, not live in, you know, a decent neighborhood, a safe neighborhood or, or a provide, um, you know, even buy a home, a first time home buyer. They couldn't do those things because of, you know, of course, with their um, college debt, when they, you know, earn, earn their degree, they have, I know some that are still pay after 20 years are still paying on their student loans. Yet, you know, so you have that on top of, and then we also spend a great deal of our own money to provide, you know, positive experiences for students to learn in school. So. Um, it's the politics and the, you know, not being valued as a professional teacher. So I also, well, I agree with you on this, on the pay for the teacher's pay. Um, I have been advocating for a higher pay for teachers for a long time. Thank you. Um, because I just feel like they don't get paid enough and it's just ridiculous how, you know, how many stories I've read about how teachers are struggling to even buy things for the classroom yeah know. i mean if, if you really look at it and I, I thought about this and it, this has been, been published as well you know a lot of time people like to um talk, say teachers are nothing but glorified babysitters however we don't even get paid as well as a babysitter gets paid because if you look at per child um because a babysitter would get paid per child for the amount of hours we with with children at least six hours even if I were to get paid ten dollars get paid per child, per child, yeah, that's what babysitters get <laughs> paid, right? In the classroom <laughs> so that that's a good discussion. I, you know, I would be making, I would be well, a yearly salary over two hundred thousand a year. Right. The judges are making about that amount of money. They, yes. They're so, just as important to society as teachers, if you ask. Right. Me. But they teach we, the judges yeah. and the presidents and the athletes and yeah, the, everybody. Exactly. So, I mean, I, exactly. it makes sense to me. Exactly. And, you know, I know that they are, you know, not, not everybody is, um, you know, built for the profession of teaching. And I know you have to have ways to hold them accountable for, um, you know, doing an effective job. But, you know, there, there also has to be. Uh, you, and you're going to get the better teachers if you are, you know, the salary that goes along with it. But it's truly a um, profession of passion. You, you have to have a passion for it to remain in, in it as long as I have. I agree. So... Going into the future now, because we are dealing with COVID, um, and I know that every school has pretty much had their own protocol with how to address COVID. So I wanted to ask you um, about how your organization uh, handled COVID protocols, and um, did you feel truly safe starting the school year? Um. I did. I, I felt safe. You know, first of all, my faith in God. Um, I trust God to protect me and keep me. But um, she takes elderberry and sea moss. 
<laughs> well, yes. I, I mean, he put these on this earth to, to help us, you know. So I, I do. I, I take plenty of vitamin C and, I, you know, I keep my immune system up. But um, also, you know, it's, it's the leadership at schools, too. Um, we do follow the CDC protocols and, um, you know, our, our principal and assistant principal, they have um, ensured our safety. I mean, they've hired extra people to, you know, do extra cleaning and, you know, set up where um, we, we only ha have about half of our um, student population and the other half is on um, digital um, learning. So we, you know, movement is limited around school. Um, we do have the mask mandate where everyone has to wear a mask at all times pretty much at all times. I mean, they do get mask breaks where they go outside and spread out and, you know, can take the mask off and kind of, you know, get some fresh air. But um, we have people that are, are, are around the school cleaning um, constantly. And um, the for the most part, the children are at least six feet apart in the classrooms and class sizes are small. And uh, we don't visit classrooms as much as we used to. Parents are not allowed on campus um, unless there's an extraneous situation uh, where they, they are, you know, needed. But everyone has their temperature checked every day. We have to check in, sign in, you know, saying that we've checked our temperature and, and that we don't exhibit any of the, the symptoms. And, you know, everybody's watchful, anybody. And it is, it's difficult because, you know, children do catch colds and, and, um, and usually it's just, but if they have a temperature of 100 degrees or more, they're sent home and they're not allowed to return at least 72 hours um, oh, okay. after, yeah, 72 hours. So uh, being fever free, that is. And um, that's, that's a big yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I hate the full disclosure. Like when I was working and stuff, if my kid broke a fever, I would give him some Motrin and then wake up mm -hmm. the way until the next day and see, you know, the fever is there. But I know that now you can't really play with that. You can't do it because it's right. too much. Um, right. It's too risky. So um, I wanted to ask you though: Have you had any challenges with any? Um, not teachers, but parents, in regard to the face mask requirement, because we're seeing some protesting about yeah. it. Yeah, we have. Oh, but my child has asthma. Oh, my child has this. <laughs> yes, and we have, and we we told we we advise them that then maybe it'll be better for them to do digital learning. So you know, and our, our like I said, our principal is wonderful. She she stands the ground. She you know is trying to protect everybody on campus and. And she will not allow them to come on campus or or they can't stay if they will not wear their masks though. And um, so the ones that have challenged it, either they're, they decide to keep their child at home and do digital learning or their child is wearing a mask. So, um, you know, and, and, and it is a battle, especially we have pre-K children on campus. And, but for the most part, even the pre-K students and, and children are resilient. They're going to they do what's, what's expected of them. And, you know, a lot of times the parents want to make the excuse or they'll say they have a hard time at home keeping them in the mask. But if you let them know that, you know, this is for your safety, we want to keep you safe. And, you know, if you can put on your mask, please. And, and they want to make you happy. So they, they usually do. And so it, it hasn't been 
a really big issue and and you know some people will want to argue the point but you know we say you have a choice either digital learning or your child will need to wear a mask to keep everyone safe and we even had a substitute she don't really believe in masks but in order to keep her job she had to put on the mask so she she conformed and would wear the mask and you know, you go outside, you walk around campus, you can take off your mask if there's not a lot of people around. So you just have to take those mask breaks because I truly understand it's not fun being in that mask all day. But when you think about the the consequences of not wearing the mask, we put on our mask. (laughs) Right. So um, I wanted to ask this, do you see any lasting um, impacts of COVID-19 in the education system? Uh, you know, uh, of course, you know, we uh, down the road, I mean, I think there will be some um, repercussions uh, of, of COVID-19 and that, that's with any any uh, major situation, you know, with hurricanes, storms and that kind of thing. And this is, you know, a health situation that, um, you know, where, you know, the, the isolation and, um, um, wearing masks all the time and, you know, not being able to see people's expressions and, you know, especially elementary school, you know, they depend on, you know, getting a smile or a pat on the back or a warm, you know, yay, I'm so happy for you. But most of the time, half of your face is covered with a mask. So, you know, you really have to use big eye, ex- eye you know, expression mm-hmm. to show them like, oh, wow, I'm really happy for you and this is really great. And also your voice is muzzled and sometimes you're like, asking people to repeat themselves like what what did you just say what did you say and then of course we got more people on computers now and, and spending you know all day six hours on a computer I mean think about it these are children and spending six hours on a computer in a day that that's not good when I remember you know the the big 9210 you know no more than two hours of screen time and things like that well that's right out the window right now because you know some people who have medical conditions um have to be at home and on the computer so i see that they're going to be there's going to be some um you know some setbacks with with this situation and with covid and with our health and with our learning and education because right now we you know students are learning but we're not you know really pushing pushing right now because we want to make sure that um you know we keep everybody emotionally safe as well as um with the academics so learning on on computer is there's a big difference in then learning on a computer and learning in person so um a lot of students um are not handling it as well on the computers as they would inside the classroom and just learning to maneuver the computer and learning to, because they're, they're supposed to log on every day as if, if they're sitting in the classroom, the teacher is supposed to have that face-to-face with them on the computer, see them on the computer and talk to them on the computer. And then, you know, they get some downtime to go and work on their assignments on their own. But a lot of times it's hard to get kids to actually stick with it and finish their assignments and get them turned in on time. And they're not right there for you to help them and encourage them. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. I, you know, I think, you know, I know they rely on tests a lot. I think 
test scores won't be as strong as, as they have been in the past. But, you know, with anything, we adapt and, and we will get stronger. We will get better because that's our human nature. Education is, is going to be different. That's for sure. It's going to be different. Okay. So I wanted to ask you one final question about um, if, if, if you were to meet some aspiring educators, would you have any advice for them? Uh, I mean, um, that's a good question because, you know, it, it's any given moment. There's sometimes I'm thinking like, no, this, this don't, if you, if you have any other passions, maybe not education, it, it's, it's difficult. Like I said, you have to have a true passion for what you're doing because you are, you're impacting students' lives, whether it be positive or negative, and hopefully, you know, it, it'll be a positive experience, but, but that's not always the case. So, you know, a person really has to have a, a true passion. I, um, I, I always tell, you know, you got to keep growing. You can't just, um, as a teacher, you know, once you get in the classroom, you have your own class. There is, it's uh, constantly learning and proving yourself in order to be the best for your students. Um, it's not like you get in there and just pass out some papers and, and say, you know, okay, y'all sit and work on this work or something like that. You know, you got to work on small groups. You got to analyze data. You got to um, um, scheduling, very important. You got to meet with parents. You got to meet with administrators. You, when, while you're doing all that, you still have to meet with community members. You have your SAC and your site committees. Um, you, you know, always doing some other training, you get new programs in. So it, it's a, it's a really a big commitment. Um, you have to, you know, really be committed to what you're doing and be prepared to grow, uh, um, in your profession and as an educator. So that would be, you know, really, you have to do some soul searching and make sure it's the right thing for you. Because I've had some people who have gotten all the way and they're interning in a classroom and they're like, I'm not sure this is for me. I didn't realize I had to do all this. I didn't, I, I stayed up late last night grading papers and, and, and planning the next lesson and things like that. Because you do, sometimes you, you can plan these beautiful lessons, but if your students are not understanding what you are presenting and what you're, the, the concept you're trying to get over, you got to stop and change your lesson. You can't just keep going. And it used to be like, especially if you were being observed, and you know that's not a highly effective teacher if they, and, that, and that's what we, we really did um, as an administrator, have to start, you know, telling people, and they're looking at that now, do you have that withedness? to know that the track that you're headed on is not good. It's not, it's not catching the, the student's attention. They're not learning, they're not engaged. And whether you can stop midstream and turn that lesson around to make it impactful for that student to, to um, help that student learn. And, and, that, and those are the teachers we're trying to, to weed out, not teachers that just going to, I'm just going to teach. They get it they, if they want to, or they right. don't. I'm just trying to get a paycheck. Right. Those teachers, we are trying to get out and they make the profession, you know, seem bad for other people. 
and um and that and that's where and a lot of times it does it gets difficult i've seen both sides you know you're not doing your part but you're making me look bad because um you're not doing you know you're just just putting it out there and then they get it good for them if they don't get it oh well let's move on and i and you can't be that way as an educator because you're talking about people's lives here their future I don't know if I answered the question, but <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was answered. Um, currently, we do have a another guest on our pod tonight. Um, another educator. It's Sel. She's coming um, from a different perspective. She's yes. a. She actually taught internationally. Yes. Awesome. And um, yes, she was in Korea. Um, <laughs> And she's been there there's, for a couple two years. Different Koreas. Wow, let, let's get there a good discussion going here. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kiwi. She's Hi, been Kibi. one of my closest friends since I could remember, like middle school. It's been awesome. forever. Um, but she just recently came back to the States. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> she's not really crazy about it, but we love her. Yeah. I admire um, you because that's something that I, I have thought about doing and wanting, wanting to do because it's a great way to, you know, learn about other cultures and, you know, incorporate that within the classroom because really we are teaching kids to be global learners and, and they're going to be interacting with people all over the world. So what better way than to have that actual experience? Awesome. So um, I wanted to give you, Kibi, a, a chance to kind of give us an overview of what your teaching experience was um, and what exactly um, you did while you were in Korea. And, and please specify which, which Korea we were talking about. <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, can you hear me good? I'm yes. Okay, perfect. Um, so I taught in South Korea for three and a half years, I taught at an elementary school. And in Korea, or at least in South Korea, because Thomas is correct, there are two, the federal government has a program where they have foreign English teachers in elementary and middle school to help the kids speak better because they actually have really good testing grades for like written and like reading comprehension, but they don't talk with the level you would expect them to with the test grades they have. So like, I would say my third graders can probably out-test third graders in America written tests. Uh -huh. Like that's how good they are, but they don't have the speaking capacity because their teachers are Korean and their English isn't that great. So you're getting like a Konglish kind of mix. So the government started a program where they bring in foreign educators to help the kids with the verbal so it sounds more natural. So that's where I came in. And how each school implements their foreign teacher differs. So like in some schools, the foreign teacher will teach on their own. But like at my school, I taught with a Korean teacher, which was great. So I didn't have a lot of the burden that I call real teachers have like the paperwork the testing and all of that i literally when i interacted with my kids was just to talk with them on the lesson so it was like practicing what they actually learned out loud mm -hmm. so i wasn't bogged down with like necessarily doing lesson lesson plans or creating the testing or creating the content 
I just had to implement the content that was already presented and find like interactive ways to get the kids to use the sentences or the verbiage and like games and interactions and stuff. So it was, it was a really great experience. I had amazing uh, co-teachers. Also very lucky that both of my co-teachers spoke English, which isn't guaranteed. <laughs> a lot of people are working with co-teachers that don't speak English because it's like a luck of the draw in Korea. It's just kind of like, they have like, it's a really interesting system. They do like a grading system for the teachers. So it's like the, the more points you get in a year, the higher up you are to pick what job you'll have next year. So it's kind of like the lottery kind of, I don't know, it's weird. I didn't really get a full explanation, but you just gain points throughout the years for certain stuff. And at the end of the year, the more points you have, the closer to the top of the list you are to pick your job for the next year. So uh, may, may I ask, what was the um, reasoning for um, Korea th that they wanted their children to learn English, correct? So they can have um, a better chance of playing in the international field, like outside mm -hmm. of South Korea and North Korea, who speaks Korean? Yeah. So for them to be able to be effective players on the world market, English was the language they went with, I guess. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It is very interesting because a lot of those students have no desire or accessibility, honestly, to ever leaving Korea. So a lot of them phase out in English classes. Like, I don't care. I want to be in Korea. I don't plan to leave Korea. I speak Korean, you know, which I understand. It's like, just like in America, who speaks multiple languages, either children of immigrants or right. really rich people. Right. The average American isn't putting in effort and money into learning another language because most of us won't go somewhere right. or interact in business where we need another language. Though we should, we should, but. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. So, yeah. Kimi, I wanted to ask you because I know you dealt with COVID um, mm -hmm. on set. Mm -hmm. Can you walk through the process of the school system or the organization that you were working for and what their protocol was? Sure, sure, sure. So I was in Korea when COVID hit. So the school year, first of all, is different. So the Korean school year starts March 1st and ends the last week in December or sometimes the first week of January. So their bigger break is their winter break. They do three months, January to March is their big break, but that's also the change of the school year. So COVID hit at the beginning of a school year. So they just kept pushing the school year back as they tried to figure it out. So I think we were about a month in where they were just like pushing school and then they decided to do online so they did that for a while. But then also Korea is also very different where each schools are run more individual. Like the principal in Korea has a lot more political power. So each school is very much individual. So even though like in my city, all my friends like in my program, because there's only one foreign teacher at each public school, there was no continuity on how each school handled it. So like my school, we were all online learning. And then 
I had a pretty small school. So when the government as a whole eased up on the restrictions, they let the parents vote. And then the kids came back to school with um, like socially distanced classrooms. But a friend of mine, her parents and the school decided to do AB days. So half the school came on Mondays and Thursdays and the other uh, half came Tuesday, Friday and the school was cleaned on Wednesday. So it was just very different. Like each, each individual school had autonomy to decide what to do, but they handled it really well in my opinion. Um, Korea, I think is a little bit different he than here in the sense of the nation as a, as a whole has an infrastructure of like free Wi-Fi. So like kids having access to Wi-Fi wasn't the same like here, like every 7-Eleven has free Wi-Fi, every McDonald's, like everything just has free Wi-Fi. So kids can have access everywhere. Um, most kids have a smartphone. Like I remember when <clears throat> we were doing, changing our lesson planning to online, one of the criteria was we had to do content that could fit on a smartphone because they recognized that not all kids had a tablet mm. or a laptop. So that was very interesting. Um, yeah, that, that was an issue for us here um, <laughs> because, as you know, not everybody has um, yeah. the Internet and ha have um, computers. Yeah. So we, we did pass out computers to those that needed computers. Um, we we provided hotspots for those that needed um, internet right. services, but um, but yeah, but we even the first two weeks of school, we were still you know dealing with those issues if their internet wasn't strong enough or they had four students that needed to be on at the same time, and then they definitely ran into issues you know with programs running slow or programs not are getting knocked out of the program so. Those are things that is getting better, but those are issues that we ran into with. And uh, so when we did like most kids coming back, they're very strict. There's uh, temperature testing at the front door um, to get in the school, like, like distance, socially distant stuff start the minute they hit the gate. So there's like six feet markers. So the kids are lined up. Um, parents also had the right to keep their kids home. So like my co-teacher, she had kids at the school, but she decided to keep her kids at home and the schools were required to allow the kids to do that. So like she would just take packets of work home from him for him from like <clears throat> his teacher. So I thought that was really cool. Like schools are open, but you still have the option to keep your kids home if you wanted to. Um, before COVID, the kids would come to me, like to an English room. But after COVID, we had to go to their rooms. Uh, we had to have masks on at all times. They shut the water fountain down. So like the kids had to bring their own water. Um, each kid had like their version of like Clorox wipes on their desk, hand sanitizer. They weren't allowed to like share any supplies, so, like pencils. We weren't even allowed to give them pencils. Like it was really well done. Um, and at my school, to be honest, it was really good for like the first three weeks, I would say like everyone was on it. But like by week four, especially the older kids, my sixth graders, they were like all over each other. Like it was just like, who cares? They um, hired bathroom monitors. So like only like a certain number of kids could go in the bathroom. There were hallway monitors to make sure the kids were socially distanced. So like I said, for the first three weeks, everything was great. 
Um, for third and fourth grade, they until I left, they were doing really good. But fifth and sixth grade, at that age, they're doing what they want to do. <laughs> but um, no, that my school in particular handled it handled it very well. In the cafeteria, there were the dividers. So like when the kids had to take off the mask to eat, the dividers were set up, and the kids would sit every other desk. So there was just like a lot of things implemented. And just watching how it happened here in America, it's just a very stark difference when a government is beholden to the betterment of its citizens. Like it wasn't about like, oh, we could lose one or 2% of people. It was like, how do we keep everybody safe to the best of our ability? And you don't really get that sense from the government here. So yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. <laughs> yes, because it just seemed like Korea's outbreak happened and then it was it went away. Like, mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm sure it was like they being there and right. dealing with it head on. <laughs> it was a lot different, but it, it, we're going on what six, seven months now, right? In and the U.S., they 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 reacted a lot quicker and a lot more like focused so like our first outbreak happened in like one city so like everyone in that city was kind of put on lock kind of and then like it's a smaller country south korea is probably the size of florida that also is a thing (laughs) but also um they offered free testing like you could go get tested like there wasn't any barriers to testing there were drive-through testing, testing everywhere. There were even like medical testing, mobile testing sites that would come to your house. Like that, like there was just so many things in place. And then um, the country just stopped. Like when the outbreak happened, a lot of things like clubs, restaurants, like everything just kind of stopped for a while. Like I, I was home from work and extra, like I said, I was supposed to go back March 1st. Actually, I was supposed to go back in February. I didn't physically go to my school till a month later. So it was just like a lot of things were stopped. And like when someone had tested positive, you had to like fill out where you've been like the last couple of days. And then the government would send out to the entire country, like, someone that was positive was with COVID was at this store at 3.30 on September 1st. If you were there around this time, go get tested. Somebody positive was at, I don't know, Walmart from two to four. Like, so they sent out an itinerary for like positive cases for people to be like, oh wait, I was at Walmart, huh? Let me go get tested, you know? So it was just handled a lot better and was able to be contained a lot better but it's also a smaller country too so um do you with giving your experience would you do it again as far as international teaching are you considering teaching here in the states (laughs) no (laughs) uh so i do not think i would consider teaching here in the states i didn't go to south korea to be an english teacher because i'm passionate about teaching I mean, um, you know, but uh, your audience, my mom's an educator. My sisters are educators. I'm a daughter of educators. My summers are cleaning classrooms and decorating classrooms. Like I know the vibe. I 
my mom or my sister every day on the way home is, you know, talking about the politics of the education system in America, the lack of support for educators, the expectation. I have no desire for all of that, for the, the, the pennies on the dollar they pay educators. No. We were just talking about that before. You, honestly, we were talking about how little they pay the educators here and how... It, what they, they pay educators and the expectation from educators, just it doesn't add up. I don't... No, <laughs> I don't think there's any other profession that's like a required profession. Like you need it for the, so the society as a whole to survive that has such a sparse, like money to expectation, like ratio, mm -hmm. like doctors and nurses. Yeah, they can be paid better, but they're paid well. Our lawyers are paid well. Like I think educators are like the least paid career field where the society as a whole relies on them you know so it's you know i have no desire to be an educator i do enjoy children um would i teach abroad again possibly um i really enjoyed my korean experience um i enjoyed the kids like i feel like as much as we all think we're better than that we all still live in stereotypes so there was this idea that like asian children are so polite and asian children just all these things that as much as i try to let them go they're still there but like kids are kids even with our language barrier kids are kids you still have kids who don't care to learn you still have kids who are so excited to learn you still have kids that have bad days like it's just, it was, that was probably one of the most beautiful parts of my experiences. Like, even though me and these kids have a language barrier, you couldn't tell me I didn't know my kids after three years, you know, they're, they're still kids. They're still days. They're just hungry. They're still just sad or they need a nap. Like I have kids that would fall asleep in class because <sighs> the culture of education in Korea is a lot different. So their public school ends a bit earlier than ours but these kids are in school till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Like they're, wow. yeah, they're called hogwans or like private institutions. So basically they leave from public school and they're going to private English tutors or Taekwondo, or a lot of my kids were also studying Japanese or Chinese or science hogwans. So these kids are in school till 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So I've had like fourth graders full out passed out in class. And my co-teacher is like, do you want me to wake them up? And I'm like, no, because like a tired child isn't going to learn any Why? better than Why? a sleeping child. So lead a child sleep. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's really, yeah. So it's, I enjoyed my Korean experience. Um, my program was great. They loved me. I loved it. Um, I know I could always go back there, but. I don't know. Uh, it became easy. Like I, I've done it for three and a half years. Like I said, I don't have to, I, I wasn't required to like lesson plan and do all that stuff. So I literally knew my textbook. So I just could walk into class and teach my book. Like the book was the same, the lessons were the same. So there was no challenge for me after like year one <laughs> like there wasn't really a challenge so there wasn't much else I could do in my current job and I didn't love Korea that much to become a college professor because that would have been the next step like go teach on the university level 
So it, it was time to come back, but I enjoyed that experience. I'm not necessarily passionate about being an educator, if that makes sense. If you had um, someone who was aspiring to be an international teacher, would you give, what advice would you give them? Um, do your research, but don't allow that research to like bog you down because there's going to be positive and negative experiences anywhere you go. So like, I remember people talking about like the racism of Korea and some people, like I've had people reach out to me, like on social media, like, how do you do it? Like the racism, like I could never. And I'm like, we're, we are from America. Like there are people that look at us, like, how can you do it? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying like it's better or worse. So it's not bad. There are definitely bad days and things that suck, but you have to decide for you what you're willing to take on and what's not worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. So like living abroad for me was like, how do we live in America? Like there's so much crap that that's just normal here. So it's just like right now, I know my mom gets frustrated with me because she's always like, Oh, you want to go run errands? I'm like, no, I don't want to be outside with Americans. They're idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. It's true though. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, even here, beyond the conversation about the face coverings, like, there are people that just use bandanas or, like, little cloth and stuff, and it's just, like, yes, something is better than nothing, but it's pointless. Like, that is not doing anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas, like, in Korea, like, the government gave out the medical grade one. You got two a week if you Mm -hmm. can afford it. Like, you can, the, the government was giving out two a week medical grade so like just like little things like that or like health system like the healthcare. like i could go walk into a doctor any any time there was no wait the doctor's appointment was maybe five bucks and then the pharmacy is connected and you could get medication for a week i had a um tonsil infection i got medication for a week for like another five bucks so it's just like this concept of healthcare is crazy, right? So I agree. Like, so it's like, yeah, it sucks that like, you know, sometimes somebody grandma will come up and touch my hair, but like that also could happen here in America. There I got good health care. <laughs> <laughs> so in in the idea of traveling abroad, I would say, like I said, do your research. And you have to be very honest with yourself, with who you are, and if you have it in you to be alone. Because that's, I think, something a lot of people don't tell you. It's like, it it gets lonely. Because you think like, oh, I'm going to be in this country. I can meet people. But like, for me, I didn't realize like, Ray, we've been friends forever. You know how, how I love my friends and we keep up. But it's like, you didn't, you don't realize till you're abroad, like how important it is to be like, oh, I can hop in my car and go see somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I made friends in Korea, but not this, not the people I'd have to like put on clothes and look decent and be excited to see versus here. If I showed up to your house and was like, hey, I just need to sit on your couch. Mm-hmm. There would be like, there's no problem. So there's a lot of like connection that you don't give a lot of value to because it's just part of your everyday life. Like I see my siblings, I see my friends, I like, Like, you don't think about them too much until you're alone and you're like, 
I just had dinner with a bunch of people and it was nice, but it's not the same. Like right. it, it didn't fill up my cup in the same way. So I think you, it, it just lends for a lot of self-reflection. It's great. I, I recommend everybody do it, go abroad because it'll make you challenge yourself and make you appreciate a lot of things we take for granted a lot. We have a lot to be like grateful for and you don't realize it till you don't have it. That I know that sounds true. cliche, but it's real. It is real. Well, I wanted to thank both of you guys for taking time out your schedule to talk about our education or do our education pod. Is there anything else that either of you would like to share or any um, thing that you would like to say? I know anything? when I was getting on, I heard you say, Miss Harp, don't teach unless you're passionate about it. I would say the other, the opposite. If you think you can teach, teach, because I think a lot of people undervalue how hard it is to teach. And it's not until they get in those shoes and they struggle through. <laughs> yes, the kids might suffer for one year, but a good teacher will catch them <laughs> the next year. Yeah, but, but it's not fair for the teacher the next year to have to try and catch those kids up that struggle with that. No. Why? It's, it's, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> People do not know how much... Like, like I said, I'm a child of a teacher and then like, watching you know on social media all these parents complain or discuss yeah. about like yeah. you know now their kids virtual learning like i don't i people do not value educators enough and i think a, I lot, more, a lot more people should teach do it for a year and realize how you you couldn't do it <laughs> like most people <laughs> couldn't do it so i, I totally agree with that Thank you. Thank okay. y'all so much. Well, thank you for having us. us. And um, me. <laughs> me too. Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't feel qualified to talk about my little experience in Korea, but hopefully it does help somebody. No, yeah, it was it was good. It was very awesome. insightful. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, there, there's a whole lot. I mean, there are different way, directions we could go with. There's a lot to talk about in education. So. Yeah. It is. I didn't want to get too thick into the, um, what do you call it? Into the woods or whatever they call it. Yeah. But I just really wanted to just do like an overview of education and yeah, get it okay. from yeah. two different perspectives. Makiba being a millennial and Miss Myra being a more seasoned professional. <laughs> I just wanted to give that um, mm. spectrum. So yeah. thank you guys so much again for joining us. And um Hopefully we can continue to have that conversation and yeah. on where things are going with education. And it's so important to have, <laughs> it's so important to have people that are willing to be on the front lines like yourselves yeah. and teach our children because the children are the future. So once uh, again, I, I think a lot of people with this COVID-19 have seen, more people have seen the value of education mm -hmm. and being in school. So yes, oh. I agree. If I had one more piece of advice, all parents, your your child's teacher is your teammate. Get to know them before class starts. You're a team. Their only focus is the betterment of your child. So become their partner. Like a lot, like some of the crazy stories I've heard from my mom and sister about what parents say to teachers. I'm just like, yeah, sometimes okay. it's like on different sides here, but <laughs> your child's in the middle. But yeah, that's a good one. 
That's yes, very good. I agree. Well, you ladies both have a wonderful evening. So young, now looks ugly and old. No fun, cause now when she reaches for hugs, people hold their breath. Cause she smells of corrosion and death. Watch the company you keep and the crowd you bring. Cause they came to do drugs and you came to sing. So if you're gonna be the best, I'ma tell you how. Put your hand in the air and take the vow. I know I can, I know I can. be what I wanna be. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. For grown looking girls who's only 10 The ones who watch videos and do what they see As cute as can be Up in the club with fake ID Careful, for you meet a man with HIV You can host a TV like Oprah Winfrey Whatever you decide, be careful Some men be rapists So act your age, don't pretend to be Older than you are Give yourself time to grow You're thinking he can give you wealth But so young boys You can use a lot of help, you know You're thinking life's all about smoking Ice. You don't want to be my agent, can't read and write Begging different women for a place to sleep at night Smart boys turn them in and do whatever they wish If you believe you can achieve, then say it like this I know I can, I know I can. be what I want to be. be If I work hard at it, I'll be where I want to be Now go came to this country we were kings and queens never porch monkeys there was empires in africa called kush timbuktu where every race came to get books to learn from black teachers who taught greeks and romans asian arabs and gave them gold when gold was converted to money it all changed money then became empowerment for europeans the persian military invaded they heard about the gold the teachings and everything sacred africa was almost robbed naked slavery was money so they began making slave ships egypt was the place that Alexander the Great went. He wasn't shocked that the mountains were black faces. Shot up their nose to impose what basically still goes on today, you see. If the truth is told, the youth can grow. They learn to survive until they gain control. Nobody says you have to be gangsters. Read more, learn more, change the globe. Ghetto children, do your thing. Hold your head up, little man, you're a king. Young princess, when you get your wedding ring, your man is saying, she's my queen. I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. I'll be where I want to be.
music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music.